There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Good morning, Sir Thomas. Good morning, Lord Hockey. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Well, fine fit. Plenty for us to talk about this week. As always. Right. And I think we should start off with the absolutely brilliant news. Scotland's biggest offshore wind farm has begun operating at full capacity. Right, removing emissions from the power supply. The sea green off the Angus coast can generate enough electricity to power two-thirds of Scotland's households. This is amazing news. Absolutely amazing. Amazing news, Willie. And SSE, who are one of the investors behind this, if I was running the Scottish Government today, we would do what Ireland did, Willie. We would have a one-stop shop and we would have a czar Call them whatever you want, call her whatever you want. Because the planning to get these things done, as you and I have talked about, is too long. This is an answer here. So there should be somebody with power in the Scottish government who's just said, you're the one-stop shop to get wind farms sorted. And once you hit a roadblock, this is what they did in Ireland, the Irish miracle, once they hit a roadblock, it went to Charlie Hockey. Yes. And that's what we should do here in Scotland. We're not taking shortcuts, but we're cutting through all the regulation and red tape to get Scotland leading in the world. So So it's a brilliant story, but it's a learning here. So what you're saying, Tam, is the word to everybody out there is if you get to a roadblock, come a Willy Hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Willy the bulldozer. But but, but on the technical side of this, which is fantastic, Sea Green are saying that this will displace more than 2 million tonnes of CO2 each year. Wow. But but here is a serious message to Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater. Right. Right. And this is scientific, it's not my opinion. This is wonderful news. And if we manage to add to that and we got the other third. So if it meant that all the utility in Scotland came from renewables, then it doesn't matter how much energy that you use in your house. But we want to cut that as well, but it doesn't matter. Everything's coming from renewables. So so there is no need now for a in-debt all the residents of Scotland we haven't to buy solar panels and heat pumps. There is no need... Right, they don't work in the majority of houses right. in Scotland. Even anyway. before we get to the technicalities are not working, there is absolutely no need. Patrick, Harvey and Lorna should be in the front of the papers today saying, this is wonderful news. This is absolutely great news and they can claim a credit for it, they can do whatever they like. But please, take this and use it in such a way, if your utility provider can guarantee that all the energy supplied to your house comes from renewables, Trust me, guys, you've done your bit. Absolutely. Right, there's no need to do the extras. No need to go into £30,000 of debt. By all means, use money to insulate your home. Right, that always helps. Yep. And then we will work, and we've, we've not mentioned it last week. Right. I've just created a device that hopefully 
will reduce people's energy use by 15 to 25%. And you're going to use this in your homes, your building, just across the road here. Everyone seems to be getting more excited about it than me, people who have <laughs> seen it, right? But but what I would say, and I've I've made this offer before, but if he wants to come and see it, he can come and see it. But if not, for the people out there, trust me, this is fantastic news. This is innovation. This is Scotland again. We've been saying leading the way, yep. right? So if you take this innovation, take what I'm trying to do, take what other people are trying to do, working with Professor Sir Jim McDonald at Strathclyde, working with Stephen Good at the Construction Hub in Hamilton. Trust me, Patrick, there is loads of people serious about trying to get us to carbon neutral. Yeah, and let's have someone in the Scottish Government, my God, there's enough people there who can, if you want to do onshore offshore wind you've got a one-stop shop who will make it happen through the regulation because it's taking a long time Wally to get these done and it shouldn't and we should make the point what we've been banging on about for weeks and weeks this is a three billion pound investment by Sea Green. Yeah. and so if we we've been talking about giving Scotland green status for tax right I'm telling you we would get a hundred times that amount of money flowing into Scotland if we manage to come up with a solid idea that would get green investment going. Yep. Well done, well done. Well green. done, yep. well done, SSE. Well, we're talking about investment, Investment Scotland. More good news on the investment front. Par Equity launching what is called the Fund in the North. Yes. We should make that the fun in the North. Our friends that the would, North. That would attract people. Um, Par Equity are Edinburgh-based. They're veterans of the Scottish investment scene. They've already secured 67 million of the 100 million from sources such as SNP, Scottish National Investment Bank, and brilliant to see the Strathclyde Pension Fund. Yep. It's great to see we're getting local money invested. So well done to the people at the Strathclyde Pension Fund for thinking that this is worthwhile. We need more of that. We absolutely need more of that. Yeah, so I I, I went and saw Par Equity, good bunch of people, and, and one of the partners in West Coast has put money into this as well, Willie. Yeah. So um, good luck to them. Because that's what helps these businesses scale is this early stage money. So, good on them. Right, we're on a roll. We're on a right, roll. We're on a roll. Right, so, good pal of yours, Mark Logan, yes. right, who's the entrepreneur-in-chief for the Scottish Government, yep. has said this week, that it's, I know it's launched at the conference, that maybe Scotland is looking at going to issue bonds yep. to raise funds for infrastructure projects. Okay. Right, now, obviously, me and you know, the devil will be in the detail but I think this will be interesting because it's either going to dispel the myth about people not wanting to invest in Scotland because of the constitutional issue, so that will be good, right? But also, it is, when you look at our balance sheet, it'll be interesting to see the appetite for people wanting to invest in Scotland. Yeah, so there is a conundrum here, Willie. At the macro level, it's a decent idea. As you say, the devil's in the details. So whenever a country issues its debt, it's priced on the global market. And obviously government debt is a pretty secure thing unless you're in Argentina or somewhere like that. But this will be interesting because Westminster has made it clear that they are not standing behind this. So if Scotland defaulted, Westminster wouldn't pick it up, which therefore means the credit rating of Scotland, they would charge more for that debt. And one of the risks that these investors see is the constitutional risk. So therefore, a party 
that wants to separate Scotland from the rest of the UK is going to have to pay more for its bond. Yeah. But good luck to them. And as you say, we look forward to the pricing of this debt because it will tell us a lot. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And we've said in a number of occasions we'll try and get Mark on the show. Yeah. So it's a really good reason now for reaching out to him and we'll make sure that we do that in the next couple of weeks. We'll maybe get him on in the new year, maybe after his bond flotation. Yes, well, <laughs> um, Mark Mark did um, was down speaking to our scale-up cohort and he did a brilliant presentation, actually. It was, it was really quite outstanding. So good on him. So your scale-up, how is that going? You want to talk to us a wee bit? How, what's, what's happening yeah. next? So... As you know, Willie, we've got three scale-ups that all happen at Blair Estate or the Hunter Foundation. So we've got the early stage, the pre-scaler. We've then got scale-up Scotland and then scale-up 2.0. And we're out just now looking for the next cohort of scale-up 2.0. So these are the really ambitious companies in Scotland who want to blow the doors off. They're going to aim for 100 million turnover, Probably today, they're doing between 15, 20 million turnover. So established businesses, but who really want to grow. And we're looking for the founders of these businesses to come. We're looking for 12. And we take them down. They meet quarterly at Blair. We have dinner. We have interesting speakers like yourself, like Professor Sir Christopher Evans, Theo Petitis, all of these good guys, Bob Keeler comes down. So it's it's an amazing thing. But the most important thing that happens, Willie, as you and I know, is the people you meet. The networking. The peer-to-peer yeah. support and learning. So we're out just now. It starts in January 2024. And if you want to apply, look at the Hunter Foundation website. We're only looking for 12. And we'll put you in touch with people who've been on it this first cohort has been really successful and they will tell you the truth about what happens. But yes, we're looking for Scotland's next huge businesses. Well, being part of it, coming down, meeting some of the people, I would recommend to any businesses out there that are listening, that are in that bracket and you want to take that quantum leap, get your form in. <laughs> get your form in. <laughs> what about, you know, um, this week, Tom, obviously... Inflation has been stubborn and stayed at 6.7%. But it's also said that, that real wage increases have pipped inflation in the last quarter, meaning wages are growing faster than inflation for the first time in a long period. Is this good news for employers? Oh, goodness. Well, Willie, I mean, first of all, on the inflation, it's quite stubborn, isn't it? And obviously the terrible events in the Middle East, and my goodness, we've had Joe Biden out there, we've had Richie Sunak out there, you know, this is a really complicated thing that's happening there. But just on an economic front, obviously there's terrible human suffering, but on an economic front, it's pushed the price of oil up, yeah. which doesn't help inflation. You know, bar barrel of oil is now about $93 when I looked this morning. Yeah. We're up um, $5 in two days. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's uncertainty in the world. Yeah. Well, like, you know, we've got a war in the Ukraine. We, we seem to have forgotten about that. We've got the Middle East, which is just, oh my goodness, I, I, I really don't know where to start with that. So there's a lot of geopolitical risk in the world today, which gives investors uncertainty, which investors don't like. They're looking for a certain path to plough. But this is where entrepreneurs come in and get on with it. So I just hope 
that next month's Bank of England rate setting, this is in interest rates, I want them to hold it where it is because we've talked about it before, there's a lag by the time people put up interest rates and it's affecting the economy. And I still think that's working through the economy. So it's a fine tightrope that the rate setters are treading between trying to control inflation but trying to not cause a recession, Willie. Mm -hmm. I, I think... Um the, obviously, what's happened in the Middle East is, is absolute tragedy, and hopefully that we can get peace there very, very soon. I know that everybody's trying very, very hard, but it's interesting that we, we touched there on on the macroeconomics, global economics. I watched two economic experts, two professors this week, talking about China. Right. And it was amazing. Where I, I've been saying for weeks and weeks here that people can't seem to agree about what's going on. There was no doubt that both of these, you know, one was a Nobel laureate, right? That, that agreeing that without saying it, they were they were trying to indicate that, that China's a busted flush. Really? Right? And China now will never be the largest economy in the world. Now, we've been told in the last 20 years that China would be, you know, it would take over in 2030, then it was going to be 2035. In the last few months, we're saying, well, it might be a short blip, but America will go back. And what they were saying is that there is no doubt now that things that have happened in the last couple of years, last two or three years, is that America's ability to borrow will always make them right, the strongest nation on the planet when it comes to economics. And I thought, listening to these guys, what they were saying was, is that China has huge problems. We touched on it a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And what this, the rip, we, we, reason why we're talking about China is the ripple effect. Yep. So what happens across, across the globe? A, an interesting one, China has been buying really cheap oil from Venezuela. Right. Because of the sanctions that the US put in Venezuela, they've been buying oil at $20 a barrel discount. Wow. Right. This week, America left the sanctions. Right. right. Okay. So Venezuela don't have that much oil now that they need to sell to China cheaply. <laughs> so this is going to have a huge knock-on effect to China as well. They could we put the price about, up. Well, like. we talked about the housing problem, that you know, that bubble. So I think that um, this is something I think where we're all going to catch a cold. Right. Really catch a cold. So just another wee point on the inflation figure, which I didn't know until I read this 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 week, that September's inflation figure of 6.7 is used for to peg the business rates from April 24. Therefore, if the Chancellor, the UK Chancellor, Scotland's got some devolved powers here, but if he decided that Business rates were going up 6.7. That's £2 billion, Willie, onto the rates bills of retailers, of pubs, of restaurants, of warehouses. And I just don't think that's possible. Now, Jeremy Hunt, the UK Chancellor, froze it last year. And I'm calling on the show today for him to freeze it once again. It's a big earner for government. It sure is. But we've talked about it before rates, business rates, especially for retailers with e-commerce coming in. Now, it used to be that every pound that a retailer took was through a shop. Now it's maybe only 60 pence. Mm -hmm. 
of that pound because 40 pence goes through e-commerce, but they're still paying inflated business rates. Well, it's interesting when you see the correlation between the First Minister announcing that the SNP comes this week that he's going to freeze council tax yeah. right, for local authorities at a time when he's cutting their money. He didn't seem to speak to the local authorities. No, I don't think they're all up in arms <laughs> and the unions are up in arms. But, but this is where we say where business must have a voice. Right, so you, you've got one policy for the people, and me and you know, if you put your rates up in your shop by 6.7%, ultimately, it's the voters who end up paying yep. because you're going to have to increase your prices, all the rest. So the knock-on effect to the end user or for voters will be the buck ends up stopping with them. Yeah. So I, I would like to think, if Labour do manage to get any power in the UK in the next general election, I think that... Business rates should be top of the agenda for something to, for Keir Starmer and Rachel Reeve to look at in a big, big way. People have been going on about it now for years and years. There's got to be a better way as to how the matrix should work for how we calculate what people should pay in business rates. Absolutely. Now, another wee innovation I saw this week, which I loved, was Amazon. They are going to deliver packages to your home by drone, hopefully by the end of the year, Willie. It's got to be a package that's no more than £5 in weight just now. But the whole drone industry, I read a report which said by 2030, the whole drone industry could produce 650,000 new jobs. It's unbelievable. But imagine you're in that Amazon lab and you're coming up and somebody says, right, we're going to deliver packages by drone. Now, I know you get plenty of land running about your, your house, so you'll be fine. I'm not quite sure how they get it into a tenement in Glasgow, but anyway, I love the innovation, Willie. Well, I can tell you that of these hundreds of thousands of jobs are going to create, probably about 5,000 of them will be in a newly opened crossbow factory. Right, because the <laughs> criminals will work out how you can steal people's parcels by firing nets up for crossbows You're a to, true to, entrepreneur, to nick your trainers. You're a true entrepreneur. Um, I bet you in the Innovation Lab in Silicon Valley, they didn't think of the crossbow. Correct. And so for the guys at the South Lancashire Council, the fact you've been talking to you about is not to make crossbows. <laughs> Tell me about a sad news that this week, Nokia going to pay off 14,000 people, 6% of their workforce globally. That's what a blow that is. Well, I mean, my goodness, Nokia, I mean, we all had a Nokia phone. Yeah. But I don't think any of us, the only person I know who's got a Nokia phone still is Philip Green. Yeah. Because I met him a couple of weeks ago and he's still got the Nokia phone. Let's finish this wee segment with a great story. Couple of pals of yours. Yes. David and Gary at Bullet Express. Wonderful story. So David and Gary started with nothing and they used to do a lot of the, the haulage for sports division. Yeah. They're great supporters of Cash for Kids. They're great supporters of the Kilt Walk. And um, David phoned you and I this week to say they've, that they've sold the business to the management, helped with Maven Capital. It's a great Scottish success yeah. story, Willie. Yeah. And that business is going to go on and do a roll-up, buy and build. Yeah. So, brilliant story. Yeah. So, good luck to the boys. I did say to Davey, keep his hands in his pockets and don't begin past Ibrooks and buying <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing that's interesting about that is they are a perfect example, right, of how 
good the entrepreneurial exchange was back in the day. Because they were like me, way back in 1990 when they started with one van, they turned up at Glen Eagles, wanting to meet people, wanting to network, bold as brass, yep. you know. Uh, and I think that they would say as well that that experience, that education, that whole thing about networking helped them get where they are today. So after 33 years, they're selling to the management. We know that Davy Stein on a wee well, don't know yep. how long that'll last when you know the gaffer, <laughs> right? But uh, well done. Congratulations to everybody at Bullet Express. Well done. And Willie, I just got finished by saying I made a mistake last week. Right. I made a mistake. And I like people who face up to their yep. mistakes. So I was talking about Chuck Feeney. Yeah. And I credited Magnus Llewellyn at the time as writing it. It wasn't Magnus Llewellyn. He's the boss. It was Magnus Linklater. Yes. So sorry to the Magnuses. I made a mistake. The credits have been sorted. <laughs> Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Kevin Doran, Chief Executive of Parsley Box. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Kevin Doran, CEO of Parsley Box, a leading senior nutrition business in the UK. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Willie. Uh, thanks for having me. Now, well, do, do you have a double, Kevin? <laughs> I've been told that I've been here before. Because I don't win many bets with Willie, <laughs> but I won one this morning, so I seem to be moving into his house. Um, he thought you'd been on the show and... Has, and I knew you had to because you said you had to. Yeah. <laughs> but Wally still thinks you have. But anyway, it's yeah. nice to have you back. It's lovely yeah. to be here, Tom. I'm now yeah, convinced. Exactly. I'm Again. now convinced. I'm now convinced. <laughs> so, brilliant to have you, Kevin. Um, you and I have known each other a long time. A long time, yeah. And um, your entrepreneurial journey is quite astounding. And I think the listeners are going to love to hear some of the things you did in the early days. So, over to you. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I think we were just chatting before we went on air about some of the things that we've done. So, I mean, my background is I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. My parents were both uh, civil servants. And I think similar to Chris that you had on, technology does play a big part in my early uh, career. So um, I had a ZX80. I'm a bit older. I'm a year older than Chris Vandekel. So um, I had a, the older computer. And, and Did uh, you get it out the factory? No, I didn't. No. I had to pay for mine by mail order, you 79 didn't get it in the pub in Dundee, no? No, and I had to put it together as well, which was, <laughs> it was a kit computer. So. I thought the ZX80 was a dad. In sports cars, <laughs> no, exactly, <laughs> and so got in, got involved in technology early on, and really probably the the thing that was most interesting that we were chatting about was early entrepreneurial journey. So um, started a technology company. Uh, in about 1995 and right. really sort of started to show people a thing called the World Wide Web. That so, so, Kevin, just just for the listeners this morning, you don't come from an entrepreneurial family, but you're obviously an amazing entrepreneur. So what made you say, I'm going to start my own company? 
Can you remember the thought process? I, th- I think I was always interested in sort of new things. And I think that was probably the big thing is, is that always interested in leading edge, whether it was technology, you know, games, whatever it might be. It was, it was really that, that sort of you wanted to be on the cutting edge and wanted to be really involved in it. So really the thing that started it was actually a... A, a fixed an adding machine you know remember those the ones yeah, that used to yeah, yeah, exactly but that used to work in the grocery <laughs> shop exactly yeah. and and that was the sort of thing that got me into oh i can actually add up and you know this was like when i was probably 12 or 13 years right. old and and really got me into sort of a wanting to understand more about business and try to understand what was going on. And look, my parents didn't really understand that level. So so I really sort of tried to go and understand. And actually, Callum, that we'll talk about later, Callum Smeaton, I worked for his dad for a while. Oh, did you? Um, I didn't know that. Hugh. And uh, we, in the early... Late eighties, early nineties, sold energy management systems with him, um, right. which was turning lights on and off within hotels. To you know, probably very relevant now, but very innovative at the time. And he sold that business to an energy company, um, uh, Eastman Midlands Electricity, and then that's when I got into tech. So right. I was always interested in new technology and things, and trying to make them work and understand how they worked, and I suppose trying to understand understand business, tech was the natural area to go into. Right. So so tell the listeners this morning about Orbital. I was lucky enough to be an early <laughs> investor in there. Yeah. And um, But this story is quite incredible. Yeah. So I, I think it started in, in the mid-90s and Callum uh, Smeaton and I uh, and Alan Slater, sort of the three founders, um, saw the web early on and so first of all what we did was we started we set up a consultancy to try and build people's websites um and you know we we did that very successfully although it was very early and you know i think famously we we took a massive server to the scottish tourist board to say that all um bookings would happen over the internet and they said oh this will never catch on (laughs) (laughs) no no exactly (laughs) and and so we did that for a couple of years and we started speaking to some uh investors and they said look you need a product and those days, there was one person in Scotland that knew about technology and a guy called Ian Ritchie. Ian, we've had Ian on. <laughs> exactly. Yes, guy. He's and definitely been he's on. Definitely he's definitely been on. <laughs> and so we went to see Ian and he said, look, you know, he'd exited his business. He wrote an angel check and helped us uh, get started and understand a bit about raising capital from, in those days, Scottish Equity Partners and right. 3i. Um, and when we got that check, we decided that the easiest thing to do, and to be fair, Ian's advice was go west, young men, really, and and go to, go, not to Glasgow, but go to the US. Um, right. So you're in Edinburgh. Yeah. Your daughter is eight weeks old. Eight weeks old. And yep. you say we're moving to Silicon Valley. Yeah, it was, it was wow. quite, it, yeah, I've, I've got a lot to, <laughs> I've got a lot to thank Claire for, um, because she sort of did say and not only did we move to California we moved with 
two other tech founders. So we had basically, it was like Silicon Valley, the series. We were living in <laughs> Menlo Park uh, in California with a baby and like three guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd walk down the street and they would like, which one's the father? <laughs> so it, but... We're not going to ask if that was no, really a question. Oh, no, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I, but it really was such a great experience. And, you know, I have to say that, you know, at the time we got some introductions from Scottish Enterprise. There was a guy called Crawford Beveridge, who yep. was yep. the chief exec of Scottish Enterprise. And he said, you should speak to a guy called Scott McNeely, who was the founder wow. of Sun Microsystems. Sun Microsystems. Um, who said, uh, you should speak to my CTO who's just left, a guy called Eric Schmidt. Wow, the good um, old guy. And so, I mean, we were like Wayne's World. We were basically, <laughs> I'm not worthy. You know, we were going around meeting all these amazing people um, and talking to them. And it was incredibly inspiring. And they were, they didn't, you know, in some ways they didn't care where we came from, but they actually all loved Scotland and right. really, you know, wanted to help us because we were a bit unusual in terms of, you know, what we were doing. And but you had but you had got on the plane and you had gone to, you know, we we always coach this now, go fish where the fish are. Yeah. And you 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 did it. But it quite a quite a thing for you, Claire, and your daughter at the time. Yeah, exactly. And I think it I mean it was a great experience. And I have to say it it was like, there's not there's not much not to like about Silicon Valley. Yeah. You know, I think at the time it was the beginning of the dot com boom. Um it was very positive uh, attitude. There was everybody was getting funding. It was there was some great parties. It was a great place to, <laughs> yeah. to live. Um and, and it and really it sort of opened our eyes. So we had engineering in Edinburgh and we had all of our sales and marketing in, in the US. Wow. Um and that, I think, is a good model, you know, because they are some of the best. You know, that's where the market was for right. tech. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we found out very early on. How long were you there, Kevin? We were there about four years. So yeah. it was the point of going to school that yeah. was like, I think we'll come back home. Um, and it was, you know, it was a great experience. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah. And still have got lots of good friends there as well. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you took Orbital public. Yeah. How was that? Uh, <laughs> well, you'd sort of think you'd learn your lesson. <laughs> so I I think it, well, I think we were, we went public in about, th about three weeks before the dot-com crash. Uh, right. So. Timing's uh, everything in business. Timing is everything and I got it wrong. Uh, so it was, it, it was pretty hard. Um, obviously, our share price went, you know, down the toilet pretty much. And we sold the business to uh, a company called Sophion that are still listed uh, in, right. in London now. Um, and actually, you know, have, have grown pretty successfully over the period. Um, it was quite a hard time, as you can imagine, yeah. because it, it was a difficult period to go through. Any, um, any big lessons for the listeners this morning? Don't go public. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, probably uh, the best yeah, one, uh, I would say. We coach yeah. that as well. Yeah. We keep saying how to, how to ruin a good business is put those three letters at the end there, eh? PLC. <laughs> and I don't, and I think it's probably don't go, I mean, I think probably the UK is, I mean, I, I think that we've all seen US companies probably do slightly better. I think that innovation and, and sort of early stage businesses in the UK in the public markets, I think, are hard. Yeah. So you end up back in Edinburgh. Yep. Right. Um, 
what do you do? Where do you go from there? Um, well, it's a really interesting story. Uh, <laughs> so wait. my lawyer at the time um, said that they, that she was leaving law and she had this idea and all of her clients in London were going from being very overweight uh, to be uh, thin. Uh, <laughs> and they, she asked them and they, she, they were all going to Harley Street and they were basically given a low-carb diet at the time. Yeah. And so she started a, a business to sell through retail, um, effectively low-carb bars. And uh, I think that was another lesson that, you know, we were basically, we weren't manufacturing, we weren't um, a retailer, and we were just getting pretty much stuck in the middle. Right. Uh, so again, you know, got on a plane and went to see some of the diet businesses in the US. And there was one, bizarrely enough, run by an ex-technology entrepreneur. And if you've ever been wide awake with jet lag in the US, there's a business called Nutrisystem, yep. which is uh, on the TV all the time. And so I said, well, could we bring Nutrisystem to the UK? And they were like, it's such a small market. And I said, well, will you tell me how to do it, Ben? <laughs> and, and so we came back and we started a, an online business called Diet Chef that was a, a delivered diet business, very much inspired, I think is the correct terminology, uh, by, by the US. Uh, yes, and for any lawyers listening. <laughs> yeah, by Nutrisystem. <laughs> um, so a delivered diet that all of your food gets delivered to your door. Um and, you know, it, it, again, you know, a really interesting uh, sector to be in. And again, we were a retailer, so we used tech a lot. We understood a lot about what we needed to do technology-wise. And, you know, that was, a, you know, a, an interesting journey as well. We just actually sold it last year to a French competitor who couldn't come into the UK because of Brexit. So All I right. think that wow. what, what one benefit, if there is one. Well, you're the first that's ever said any benefits <laughs> <Exactly. from> Brexit. <laughs> Anything <laughs> good about Brexit? And was it on that business or was it another business where you you came up because Callum was, was looking at um, TV and... Yeah, so it was that. So so we, we were spending about three, four million pounds a year on TV advertising. Right. And I think if everybody, you know, it's that famous quote, 50% of your marketing is wasted. You just don't know which 50%. <laughs> so... What we were doing was we were advertising on TV, people were visiting our website, buying, but we just didn't know which channel, which day part, you know, what advert worked. And so Callum, my ex-co-founder at Orbital, I sort of called him in one day and I said, the agency, a big WPP agency in London, were telling me that this was the right way to measure uh, TV. And I said, there must be a better way. Yeah. You must be able to look at the people that are visiting your website and sort of attribute them back. And, uh, you know, can you go away? He came back two or three weeks later and says, I think I've solved it. <laughs> and I said, well, can I invest? <laughs> it was the first question. And that was the the founding. We were the first customer for TV Squared. For TV Squared, which, again, we were very lucky to be investors in. And they got funding from edge yep. and when we get Callum along to speak he said this is the only funding organisation probably in the world that he took the money and he bought a round the world plane ticket 
to go and visit the markets because most people would say it. No, no, you're not you doing spend that. Spend the money on that. Scottish yeah. Edge said, if that's what you want to do, you go and do it, and um, the rest is is history, Kevin. No, and I look. I'm a, a massive fan of Edge. I think that there is a bit when you're starting, especially a technology business, that you know, you need to do market research and you need to understand what's going on. And there's a real gap in that funding environment of going, you know, go and find out and just give you the time and effort to try and go and understand how big the market is. And I think Callum obviously yeah. And the great that. news story, Willie, is the Edge Pledge, where founders, people in the business investors who could get the early money once they sell out and T V Squared was a was a big success then people like Kevin and Callum put money back into Edge yeah. so we make it sustainable. So it's a brilliant story. Great model. Brilliant story. So, where are we going next? <laughs> um, well, we then sort of said that there was, a, again, looking to the US, uh, a similar issue, which is... Um, Aging population, Tom, you yep. know, as you know, which... Yeah, uh, I lost a lot of money in the aging population. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we sort of decided that, you know, look, look, social care in the UK is broken. We all know that. Yeah. Um, councils don't have, you know, what we would have traditionally known as things like Meals on Wheels. You know, they can't fund them. So there has to be a better way. And so we, um, about three or four years ago, decided that, take the learnings from the diet business and actually see if we could do something for the, the over 65s. And, and when you say we, Kevin, are you the ideas guy or is it a brainstorm of your it's, network? I think it's sort of, I think what we try and do is like look at sectors that need sort of some level of disruption. Obviously, again, try to learn from the best in, in the US if you possibly can and try to bring those ideas back to the UK and, and do them with a team of people that have been through it a couple of times yeah. so that it makes it a lot easier. I mean, look, Orbital was hard because we were learning on the job. Yeah. You know, once you've done it a couple of times, you sort of understand a little bit more. You've got more of a network so you can you can sort of go a bit quicker. Um we launched that business in 2017, you know, uh, in 2019, 2020, there was this little thing uh, that happened that meant everybody stayed at home. Yeah. <laughs> Which was good news for well, you. It was good news yeah. for us. But I mean, it was, we went from 30 people to 150 people in a week. In a week? In a week. Wow. And tell the listeners, what were you doing? What were you supplying? So we were doing meals effectively for the elderly. Yeah. Um, so and our average age of our customers is 77. So, you know, significantly older. They're still very telephone based. So they like to phone us. We send them catalogs. But, you know, in that panic moment, there was a lot of friends, family who were saying, what am I going to do about mum or dad? Yep. And, and and so, you know, we had to so respond to up. that. We scaled We certainly yeah. did. Wow. And, uh, you know, we scaled up because we had to answer phones. We had to pack orders. We had to get our suppliers to ramp up production. Um, so there was lots of people out having barbecues in their back garden. We, we worked absolutely 24 hours a day during that period. Yeah. But it pro to us that we could scale it, which I think was the positive thing as well. 
Right, okay. And and did that growth continue after COVID? It, it did. I mean, a lot of the customers, yeah, stayed. Yeah. Um, some of them didn't. You know, obviously, like all, you know, businesses that we were a beneficiary of COVID. But, you know, we've got a very loyal 50,000, 60,000 um, customer base today. And we're continuing to grow. Um, you know, we really are partly trying to fit the gap between, as I say, social care so we do have a mission. We're not really, yes, we're we're a profit-making organization, but we are trying to plug the gap and definitely want to try and work more with third parties, NHS on discharge packs, you know, to try and get people out of their, uh, out, you know, of bed blocking and things like that, that, that happens within the NHS and work with councils to try and help them look after the vulnerable and elderly that, that need nutrition and need, you know, looked after. So when you say you've got 60,000... Throughout you know, the UK. Yeah, yeah, so, but are you dealing also with local authorities no, and government? No, so that we, Individuals? So this is all individuals. Wow. So, um, so, you know, we would love to, uh, and certainly you'd work more with uh, councils and the NHS, but again, it's sort of... At the moment, it's been driven by consumers themselves that are yeah. that are using our services. Certainly, within social services, I think people have to be open to good ideas because they're certainly you know we have to come up with innovative ways because the cost of that now going forward is just increasing every year, exactly. and it's 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 going to become a major major problem. Yeah. So, so Kevin, you've you've got a, a solution here, definitely. So you know, any council leaders listening this this morning should be phoning you. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to work with them. And, you know, we definitely see it's a great way to save time, um, save energy, save food waste. So there's lots of environmental and, and time benefits, you know, with, with our products. So how can they get in touch? Um, just email me or, you know, at kevin at parsleybox.com. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. Brilliant. And and when you look at this the Scottish landscape, Kevin, how do you think we're doing I think we're encouraging uh, entrepreneurs. Well, look, I mean, we're getting older. So it's like tw- 20, 20, 25 years ago, there used to only be Ian Ritchie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there is a bit more of people that have been through the the ups and downs of starting businesses and also doing it multiple times. And I think that's yeah. the positive things. As I said, I think Edge is, and, you know, scale-up program, there is a lot more infrastructure now than there ever was. I think we're still lacking a little bit with sort of sales and marketing skills right. that would be my thing that I definitely would like to see, you know, either universities or, or you know, organizations trying to get people to understand more about what it really means to market and, and sell uh, to individuals, especially because there is definitely still a skills gap there. Right. Okay. Brilliant. What a story. Kevin, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Willie. Well, Kevin, Thanks, you, you put a lot back into helping um, entrepreneurs grow and scale their businesses in Scotland. So for that alone, we thank you. But to hear about the, the, the story, once again, brilliant. Thanks, Tom. Great thank to you very much. You. Thanks for having me. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into organised and digital workflows. Go There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time, 
and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work-from-anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week on the board you can't afford, we have Katarina Hayes, the founder of Naked Kimchi and Company. Welcome, Katarina. Thank you so much, Will. Well, I think... This is going to be an amazing little story here, Willie, because Katrina's story is, well, why don't you tell us? Yes, so um, I have background uh, in my legacy, my history of family of uh, fermented food. This is how I grew up. This is my roots. I was born in Russia, grew up in Ukraine. My grandpa cook, my father, his chef in the fusion cuisine, so... Uh, It's never been as a business idea till when I moved 16 years ago to to Glasgow. There was no kimchi and I was doing for friends and family and I twisted my dad's recipe and I always was uh, giving some uh, every week some kimchi, some sauerkraut, some uh, fermented uh, carrots, Korean carrots. So so Katrina, can I ask you why, why you chose Scotland? Well, it was a long story. It was uh, my ex-husband. He's from Scotland. Ah, and we see. used to work together in oil and gas a long time ago. So, so love brought yeah. you to Scotland. Yes. And then you yes. fell in love with the country. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it took me some time to get used to it. But when actually I realized the opportunity and my children were born here, so the Scottish, and i really grateful that Actually, Scotland changed my life uh, for the better in terms of my personal development, my growth, and um, actually as a human. Yeah, brilliant. That's that's, that's a nice sentiment for Scotland. So just for the listeners, Katerina, obviously the food you produce is gut-friendly. Yes. Right, okay. So so it's a unique food. It's unique food. Yes, so um, fermentation has been for thousand years. So yeah. before we haven't had refrigerators. So this is what I we hated those it. days. As a guy who <laughs> yes. sells refrigerators, I hated those days. Exactly. So basically, you know exactly the challenge, and so we've been living and even. And land always fed us. So uh, when I was lived in Sakhalin Island, when I reunited with my dad. Uh, so this is, I was introduced to this amazing Korean influence uh, because of the historically between Russian and Japanese war, there is a lot of Koreans settled uh, as a hostages in the Sakhalin Island. Uh-huh. So this has been, um, that island was influenced by Korean cuisine, Japanese cuisine. So you have that amazing fusion that were adopted for the local uh, produce. So this is something that uh, I would like to do through my business is about adopting fermentation technique to the local produce as much as possible, how I can support farmers, how I can support a community. So I have very like strong social uh, mission as well, as well as we produce an actually delicious product. And that product uh, for past little bit over the year and a half been supplying to restaurants across the Glasgow and Edinburgh. Right. So, um, I haven't had any previous experience in business, but I said to myself, I started the experiment, you know, from my kitchen. And then it's kind of, then I asked my friend to, you know, take a little space in his restaurant out of the hours. And then this is kind of escalated. And um, so I was piloting for probably first eight months to try to figure out what do I do while I was studying as well, MBA online. So I was... I'm the very practical person, so I like to 
because of my engineering background. <laughs> so I like to take information and apply it straight away. So this is like this is business was pretty much experiment. And I thought, what if, how I can make it happen? And then when I start trading in February 15, 2022, and then events, what happened um, uh, in Ukraine, unfortunately, uh, that yeah. affected my family. So I have to move my family. So they joined business and then it's become... So your family joined you, they were still in the Ukraine? So they were in Ukraine, so I have to move okay. uh, my mom and my cousin uh, with uh, my nephew. And you got them out okay? Yeah, yeah. So they got um, housing now. So my my cousin, she worked with me uh, part-time. So right. my now I want to make it full-time jobs. Finally, start to pay myself because for the past <laughs> two money. years, I haven't, uh, I was specifically concentrating. I want to be on the business so that you have to employ people to kind of get step back and see how strategically you can grow. So I'm proud of myself and I have to really remind myself that um, for a little bit more than a year and a half, we able to employ part-time for people, part-time uh, around 40 hours a month. So this is the, obviously, uh, with the capacity of, uh, we were supplying to uh, around 12 restaurants. Okay. So uh, up to date, uh, we working with Bread Miss Bread. So this is our first customer. Yes. But it took me almost eight months to actually get through. Yeah. I would come over to them every every two weeks, order food. And that time they was working with a different supplier. And I would bring my kimchi and I was saying, my kimchi is better. <laughs> yeah. Reconsider, reconsider. But also is the way that uh, my personal approach to customer development to as something just naturally comes yeah. that, you know, I'm go extra mile. I always find in the ways how I can serve my customer better, strength yeah. relationship, how I can see people succeed. So because if our customers succeed, we succeed. Yeah. So it's that kind of, you know, mentality. Yeah. So basically I was very lucky. Um, I was, did you get much help from the Scottish you know, cause it, Absolutely. So right. uh, when it comes to actually Scotland, and I was so, I would say I was lucky in terms of the, I did actions and I was in the right time in the right place. So uh, that day changed my life. I was um, on the call with Mandy, who is, uh, was regional uh, manager for Royal Bank of Scotland. Right. And by accident, I didn't remember how actually I got in the call with her. So we're having Zoom call and she said, I highly encourage you to apply for a Royal Bank of Scotland Accelerator. Right. And I'm like, but I'm doing, you need to have turnover. So I have that mentality of like, yeah. and I was afraid, like, you know, having that imposter syndrome, like I'm not making, uh, you know, even I think I was like a few hundreds pounds a month turnover running e-commerce. Yeah. I tried to figure out what I'm going to do. She said, I actually encourage you to apply. Do you so, know what it means? Tom started the RBS accelerator. Really? Yes. Wow. It used to be called eSpark. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Can, can I ask you a question? Yes, yeah. Um, obviously, the idea, you know, with the, the Korean, the Japanese, the fusion, um, and you're here in Scotland. I once heard the world-famous Michelle Roux say, in Scotland, that Scotland was the luckiest country in the world. There is not another country that's such a lovely natural larder. Is do you believe that about the product growing in Scotland? Absolutely. 
I believe Scotland, so I've been around the world. I was uh, connected to many countries through my engineering career in oil and gas. Uh, I lived in Canada, Russia. I traveled Europe, Middle East. And I would say Scotland have unique ecosystem and culture that everyone wants everyone succeed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you have that amazing opportunity that you it's not like Silicon Valley, like you have to really fight for your, you know, place under the sun. So here, and this is something I'm, I'm the part of that community. I'm constantly there to contribute to people's success, yeah. no matter what, because I, I believe whatever you put there, you want, this is you do something for people that you would like to be done for yourself. Yeah. So this is kind of values for me is so important. Where is your office? Where is your factory? So we moved recently, beginning of October, to Delmarnock, yeah. uh, Strathclyde right. Business Center. So they yeah. had a kitchen that was serving school that time, yeah. uh-huh. and it's very um, uh, symbolic for us because you and I kombucha, which is used to be a clever kombucha. So this yeah. started from the Glasgow Collective. So yes. we. We're in the Glasgow Collective yeah. on their premises. Then they moved to Delmarnock. So, and we kind of following their path. So, uh, and for I'm us, I'm a customer of, yeah. that, of that. So, yeah. and now they're like in Harrods yeah. and Selfies. So, is this part of the Clyde Gateway regeneration? The offices there at Delmarnock. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I think I've been I've been very acting straight away when I was looking for the premises. Yeah. There is there is the huge challenge yeah. for the food and drink to find premises that actually adopted to food and drink because of the food safety. So So it's the huge challenge, so like it's the different topic altogether. But yeah, so we in the Delmarnock and uh, I think it's a great place to be. So what is your question for for me and Tom to ask the board? Yes, so... (laughs) so It's a great story, by the way. Yes, so so is the first question is, um, you know, like when you invest in, in business, what, how do you see um, food and drink business to add to your portfolio? What value would you would you look for? And uh, also another question is, what would be your suggestions for the board? Yeah, yeah. so like right. who, 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 okay. who shall who shall to choose so, for so the we, board? So we yeah. both in a roundabout we are invested in food and drink, <laughs> you know, but it's mostly in, in the delivery of it, not the manufacture of it. Yeah. Um, and... I would say, in listening to your story, um, I don't think you need much advice. I think you've got a good idea. And I think your background in engineering will serve you well. But I also love that you used the phrase that you're doing a pilot. Right, so pilots for me are fantastic. So, and I think if you can just keep, you know, knocking on doors and getting people to say, just try me. Try me once. Let me have that pilot, and that's how you grow a business. Don't don't try and you know someone come along tomorrow and say, "Well, I want you to go into three hundred units, three hundred outlets." Then it could kill you. But just to say, "Let me build up. Let me build up." So for me on that one, definitely, I I think your approach, what you've done so far, the 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 headway that you've made. Obviously, the connection now with RBS Accelerator, you'll probably find out when you listen to the show today about scale-up, how you can take your business. So it's it's, still, it's great. We can sit and wax lyrically about how good we think the ecosystem is for entrepreneurs in Scotland, but it's fantastic to get someone to come on like yourself and say, no, I'm telling you, it's better than that. You know, and you've been round the world, so that's that's a that's that's a that's a nice credit for yeah. for Scotland. It's very nice. So I mean, our, our investment philosophy is all about the founder. Yeah. And um, I can tell that you're going to make a success of this. I can just tell. I've been doing this a long time, and 
With regard to your to your board, I think you should find someone who's been there and did it a few times mm -hmm. and who understands what's happening in Scotland because there's so much help that that people want you to succeed. Now, I loved it when, when I heard you say that. And people really do want you to, to succeed in Scotland. So try and find somebody who's been round the circuit a few times, had the successes, probably had a few failures as well. You learn yep. more from your yeah. failures than your successes. And who can plug you in to all the help that's going in Scotland. But um, I love the story. Um, it's yeah. brilliant you could come in this morning. Please keep in touch with us and let, let yeah. the listeners know about your future success. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And on your sure. question, uh, just my tuppence worth on your question about the board, listen back on the podcast of this show. I'm sure there's been a lot of interest in people going back. If you think that any of those people, like, like Kevin has been on this morning, mm -hmm. if you feel as if there's in there, we will try and... This, what this show is all about is to try and help people grow their businesses. And if you listen back and if you think there's anyone interested in there that you want us to hook you up with, even for a bit of advice, we'd be delighted to do that. Okay? Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so you much so for much. coming on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Best you so much. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions.